Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll listen to our lead pastor, Dave Carroll, as he gives a message, Stick Together, from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's join in now. Uh, we know that it's really easy to start together, but increasingly in this world, it's not so easy to stick together, is it? Um, many families start out on the wrong foundation, and uh, they end up with children, and they end up uh, with a house, and they end up with all the things that people are supposed to have, and then years down the road, they find their, their relationships fracturing because they're built on the wrong foundation. Uh, they're, they're not built with a godly glue, so to speak, in this life. And so today in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, we're going to look at God's plan for marriages and families to stick together. Sound good? So if you have a Bible, turn there. And before we get there, um, I just want to lead us in prayer one more time. Go back to the Lord as we enter his word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for a place to worship. I thank you for what you're doing in the life of Elevation. God, I thank you for the people serving down in children's ministry right now. Uh, God, for the people who were brave enough to, to duke it out and come to a new, a new place uh, at a new church uh, and, and trust you with that. And so, Lord, we, we're just grateful for everything that you are doing uh, around this place. But God, as we come to your word today, we do know this, that many people are struggling to stick together in our culture. God, people and relationships are failing everywhere we turn. Uh, Father, as a matter of fact, it, it happens so much that it becomes discouraging. And if, if we really admit it, we wonder, wow, I wonder if we're going to make it all the way through this life. But God, I thank you that by your power, by your word, by doing things your way, Lord, we can stick together and, and, and honor you in the process. And so, Lord, would you help us today uh, to, to learn from you, uh, to open our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, God, to walk out and actually be a doer of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, uh, the first point in God's plan for your marriage and family to stick together is simply this. Live differently. Live differently. And if you're taking notes on the back of your program, you can write it right in there. Um, now, when I think of different, you know, that, that's a, a pretty loaded word these days. Like when I walked into Walmart the other day, um, have you ever seen peopleofwalmart.com? Anybody seen that? Yeah. And, and uh, we don't need people of Walmart because we have one of the top 10 busiest Walmarts right here in Billings. And so we, you know, we just get live. We don't have to go to .com, right? Uh, like the other day, I, I walked in and um, someone decided that, you know, their pants didn't need to go all the way up to there and, and something happened and it was just awful, you know? And I'm not talking about that kind of different. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we talk about living differently, I'm talking about uh, our life conforming and being chipped away and you know, all the rough edges to the point where we, uh, we start living to God's standards. And so here in Deuteronomy, I want to tell you a little bit about Deuteronomy before we, we jump in. Moses is going to bring the whole nation of Israel together, and he's going to talk about uh, the laws that God had given them. He's gonna, uh, he was going to say, hey, this is what God expects from us. And so Moses, we know, died right around 1400 BC. If you're trying to look for, hey, when did Moses even exist? I've heard the term before. You know, I've heard the guy. I know that yeah, he uh, parted the Red Sea. He was led, uh, you know, actually God did when he raised his, his uh, staff. Uh, he led a, a whole nation around in the desert for 40 years. But when did this guy live? 
1400 BC. It's, it's documented, you know it. And Moses was near the end of his life when we get Deuteronomy. It's the words of the law, and, and this was a cool portion, and it's a fitting uh, verse for Mother's Day because uh, the, the first generation of Israelites in the desert who had been rescued out of Egypt were starting to die off. And this was Moses' time to get the next generation of people together and say, hey, everybody, let's gather in, let's, let's huddle up, and let me tell you the ways of the Lord. And, and so that's the setting here in Deuteronomy. He's gathering this next generation together, and this is what he says here in verse 7. Deuteronomy 4, 7. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason that we may call upon him. And here at verse 8, this is our first point here about living differently. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Moses was sitting there talking about all the law. Now we know as Christians in the New Testament, we're not under the law anymore. But I'll tell you this, as you read through the laws in the Old Testament, there's a bunch of very, very, very good ideas. It may not be uh, meant for your salvation anymore because we know that's Christ on the cross, right? He fulfilled the law. Um, but there was a bunch of good ideas. And, and here uh, Moses says in verse 8, there is no other nation that has the kind of statutes and judgments as us in Israel. And why was that? Because they were getting them from God himself. And, and so um, Moses realized this. He messed up on the law bad. One day he hit a rock, okay? He took his staff. He hit a rock because everyone was thirsty. And they said, Moses, make, make, give us some water. And he hit a rock and he broke one of the laws that God had asked him to do. And as a result of that, he didn't get to see the promised land, Right? He didn't get to see the promised land, and he broke the law. And so here he is talking to the next generation saying, hey, you know what? You need to think about life. You need to think about your worldview a lot differently than, than what we did. You know, we wandered around. We turned a 40-day trip in the wilderness from Egypt to Israel into 40 years because we couldn't get this part right. We couldn't live differently. And so um, here's what you have to watch. The world has a crockpot approach to getting you away from the laws of God. Um, the world is slowly trying to take you and, and get you to walk away from God and, and, and take their, the world standards and leave God's standards behind. How does this happen? This happens a lot through the media. Do you remember the show Friends? Friends was introduced so that people could get, get cool with the idea of living together right? Hey, they're all friends, and they all have sex, and they all, they all just kind of do whatever they want to do. And then um, there was another show that came along right about the same time, maybe a little after, called Will and Grace. And what was that meant to do? Get everyone to laugh at the thought of a homosexual relationship. And oh, that's funny. That's fine. And see, all these things have begun to be twisted by the world, and they're trying to get us to walk away from the laws of God, from being different, um, from being different as a nation, as a unit, from being different as a family, from being different as a person. And, and you know what? Now the crockpot has been slowly turned up to high, and uh, you know there's nearly 40 million people in our nation uh, viewing pornography regularly. Wow. When did that become okay? We stopped living differently. But I want to give you three reasons why you need to live differently. You can write these down. Um, the first is um, your future. 
Your future depends on it. If you want to stick together as a family, you have to begin to live differently. And what are we talking about? We're talking about living according to God's word and God's standards and, and developing a family unit that holds the Bible as the highest standard. And, and here's what, what was at stake with the future. Um, Israel was moving. Israel was moving from the wilderness into the promised land. If you read through the book of Exodus, this is what's happening. Because God had promised them this land, right? He, he had said, I'm going to give you this land flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to take you from the wilderness, and I'm going to work on your character, and I'm going to give it to you. But here's the thing. There were several different nations and countries around there in that promised land. There were uh, the Moabites, there were the Edomites, there were the Philistines. There were all kinds of people in these lands, and they had all kinds of different standards. As a matter of fact, they worshiped false gods. You know what the point of religion was for many of these nations? The point of, of doing anything worship-wise was so that people could make idols and make money. That sounds like a terrible thing, doesn't it? That, that was the point of it. And God knew that if Israel did not learn how to live differently, when they were put into these other cultures, they would begin to look like them. Isn't that crazy? And so um, their future depended on their ability to live differently. Now, if you follow this um, to its conclusion, um, the next thing that, uh, that, is, that is at stake in living differently is what you will accomplish in your life. If you do not live, and you can write that down, it's, um, your future depends on it, uh, what you will accomplish in your life depends on it. Um, you, you realize this? Every time we go through a point in life where we're squeezed, have you ever been squeezed in life, like where life just really, it stunk? <laughs> right? you, you, you woke up and you're like, this day needs to be over right now. And I just woke up. You know, you get that kind of day. Well, um, you, you have to know this. Those kind of days are the days that God is asking you to push through and to live differently, and, and to become a person with godly character, because um, he may want you to accomplish something that you can't accomplish right now in your current state of character. Um, your family may not be able to go somewhere that, that you really believe God wants you to go until he does a deep work in your heart and in your life to where you truly are living differently. You know, it's funny, five years ago, I thought that I was I was ready to plant a church, and I went and I crashed and burned everyone. You may not, you, you may look around now and say, "Oh, you know, a few weeks here we're into this, and look at this great success." Well, I know the flip side is uh, I had a great failure five years ago. But um, looking back on it now, five six years ago, now I realize that God was trying to uh, develop some things in my character and in my life uh, that really I could have said, "Hey, I quit. I give up." I'm not going to live differently. I'm just going to stay right where I am. I'm not going to conform to look more like Jesus. I'm just, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and this is the end of the road for me. This is, how, this is the end of how God can use me. Well, that doesn't need to be so with us, because here's our example. Our example is this, Jesus Christ. What, do you think that walking the road to the cross was easy? No, it wasn't. But what was he able to accomplish by pushing through and being perfect and pure and holy even through the most difficult seasons of his life? He was able to accomplish something that has benefit for all of mankind. Isn't that crazy that that, that would happen? And then if, if you follow this to the conclusion, right, you're living differently so that you can, um, you know, you can have the future that God wants you to have so that you can accomplish what God wants to accomplish, but also... Um, so that you evidence relationship. You know, when, when a family unit really has a strong relationship, can't you tell when you walk into a room? Have you ever, like, been invited to Thanksgiving or uh, been invited to Christmas or, or something else at someone's house, and you walk in and you just go, 
huh, this, this is different. You know, like this family has something. Have you ever had that kind of family? I'm not talking about something like, like bad lasagna, right? And I'm not talking about that kind of something. I'm talking about you walk in and you go, their relationships, how they relate to each other, it's good. I like this. Well, when you live differently, when you conform to God's standards, when you make God's standards, um, number one, in your family life, there will be evidence of a relationship with God. If you're wondering why your family might be starting to crack and not stick together, it could be that maybe you have to regroup and say, these are the standards by which we will live. Now, let's, let's continue on. And uh, here's the second blank that you have. God's plan is living differently in verse 8, but it's also starting with yourself, starting with yourself. Look at verse 9, Deuteronomy 4.9. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep, keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Now, remember, Moses is talking to a group of people who just wandered around the wilderness 40 years, right? So he's saying, you know what? Keep yourself right before God, lest you forget all the lessons 40 years worth of lessons, and we have to do it all over again. Have you ever had to learn a lesson all over again? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, five, six years ago, that, that experience I described to you, man, I got to tell you this. I, I was taking every kind of note I could during that season because I was like, man, I do not want to go through this again. You know what? I, I, I just I want to learn what God wants me to learn, and I want to be able to move forward. But it begins with starting with yourself. And this is super important because... Um, while this is not a bad starting point, it's a terrible finishing point. You know what's happened in America? Um, we've become a group of people that think God is for our kids. Now, our kids, you know, we come to church because, well, our kids need God. <laughs> but you know what? That is not how a family that sticks together develops in God's plan. A, a family that sticks together is where a, a husband and a wife say, you know what? Me, myself, before God. I'm going to take responsibility for my own relationship with God. I'm going to put my own standards, uh, uh, you know, and, and get them up to where God wants me to be. And, and we've, I almost named the message, believe it or not, I almost named the message, Jesus is for adults too, okay? Do you ever know that? Uh, Jesus is for adults too. Uh, it, I don't know where you are in this room, but maybe it's been a long time since you've worked on your own spiritual relationship with Jesus, you know, maybe you're, you're here because, well, I, I think it would be good for little Johnny. And, and you want to know what? We'll get there because that's part of a f God's plan is having godly children. But it starts with you. And I have a, a, a great story for you this morning uh, of a guy, who a, a regular guy that God used and God radically changed. And this guy got a hold of this principle that it's time to start working on yourself. But before we hear it, I want you to read Deuteronomy 4.9. It says this. Only take heed for yourself. I want to read it again. And diligently keep, what's that word? Yourself. yourself. What, say it louder? Yourself. yourself. Lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all of the days of your life. We have to learn to work on ourselves. We'll talk about that. But um, everybody, I want you to welcome Sean Radizak. Let's welcome him up to uh, the platform this morning. Um, Sean... You can sit if you want. Uh, Sean has a testimony of when God gripped his heart and gripped his life. And it's where, we, it's where um, the church thing, the Jesus thing, the Bible thing, um, it, it went from, hey, that's for my family and yeah, everything is good. And all of a sudden it uh, wrecked his own life uh, where, where he took some resp personal responsibility. So Sean, why don't you share about that? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read this, make it a little easier. 
But uh, yeah, I'm Sean, and my wife Priscilla is there, and we have three kids, Ethan, Olivia, and Michaela. Um, and I'm excited to be here to show you how God got a hold of me. I grew up attending church, learning scripture, hearing Bible stories, and singing hymns. I learned how to go through the motions and do just enough to make me good. I accepted Christ and was baptized at age 15, but nothing really changed. A year later, I met Priscilla. She had not grown up in the church, was new to the Bible, and had a crazy excitement to walk with the Lord. I was excited for her, but still didn't see the big deal. I went along with going to church with her and to church functions and doing what was expected of me. We got married. I joined the military, and uh, I was gone often and missed church while my wife was developing her walk with the Lord. It didn't really bother me, but as the years went on, our children came along, and it was clear that we were a house divided. I didn't see the importance of having a relationship with Christ or being spiritual leader, the spiritual leader of my family. My wife kept praying for me, and she assumed the role of spiritual leader in our home. I was okay with providing and being in charge of the grill and the remote. All was well in my world until early one morning in July of 2010. I met Jesus face-to-face in an ER waiting room. My wife was being rushed into emergency surgery, and I didn't know if she would make it. I started praying and felt the peace of Christ immediately. It reached out and got a hold of me. And for the first time in my life, I felt the presence of the Lord. And since that day, my walk with the Lord is very different. I got into the Word daily, and, I drew, and as I drew nearer to Christ, He opened my eyes and gave me a hunger to serve Him. I sought out Bible studies and formed friendships with men who prayed for me and encouraged me to lead my family. I'm not perfect, but God is renewing and transforming my life, and with His help, I have stepped into the role of leading my family spiritually. One day, late in 2011, Pastor Dave announced that he and his wife would be planting a church in, in, in Billings. Uh, my wife and I wanted to help some, somehow, so we began to pray, pray about what we could do. I began to research facts about Billings and started texting her the average temp, temps in, in January in Billings. <laughs> the next thing I know, we were sitting at the Carol's table planning a trip to Billings to check things out. By the end of our trip here, we knew that we wanted to come out and help. We prayed for a year, taking steps of faith and as, our family, as, a, as a family, and that led us here. God had a buyer for our house before we even knew it, before it was officially on the market. He continued to open doors and provided all that we needed for a colossal move. We had, we had faith in our faithful God, and at just the right time, I had a job, and we had a new place to call home here in Billings. My biggest question was, what does he want from me? From me? I'm just an ordinary guy that loves Jesus. I studied that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that um, in Second Chronicles 16.9, that he wants those whose hearts are committed to him. And Pastor Dave, when we were coming out here, he said, there's only one thing crazier than moving his family across the country to plant a church. And that's someone who moves there to help. <laughs> so, thanks, Elevation. We love you. Thanks, Sean. And... And he can breathe easy because public speaking is not his, is not, not his cup, of, cup of tea yet. Huh? One day it will be. But uh, here's a story of a guy 
who, who learned the principle of working on himself. And I, I want to give you just two quick things about what it means to work on yourself. You're like, okay, I know I need to do it, but how do I do it? And the first one is this. You have to, uh, you have to see the difficult circumstances in your life as God working on your character. Uh, so many times uh, we, we hit up against difficult things like Sean. Uh, if you caught that, he, got, he was in the ER with his wife, Priscilla, who sings up here on the team, uh, about to die. And, and that was the time where God got a hold of his life. But see, many of us, we hit those difficult seasons and we take a step back and we, and we start blaming God instead of growing in him. And, and, we, and we start becoming kings of pain. You know what a king of pain is? I know uh, when I was in, uh, in high school, we used to have these contests in youth group called King of Pain Contest. You know what we'd do? We'd, we'd go to youth camp, and we'd have big lakes in Florida that were a lot warmer, right, uh, than the water was. And we would find the highest thing we could get up on. Sometimes they actually had towers to dive off of, uh, jump, you know, diving boards. And they'd be 10 feet high or 15 feet high sometimes. I'm not lying. Uh, most of them were 8 foot high that I participated in. But we'd have these contests called King of Pain Contest. We'd climb up as high, and we'd belly flop off of them. And we just went until someone said no more. So even if you got a belly flop, um, it didn't mean that you were done. It, it's like who could do the most belly flops before they go, I'm out, <laughs> right? Well, in life, we, we kind of treat Life, like, we're the king of pain. You know, we go through hurt, we go through hurt, and we don't learn, and we don't realize that God's trying to grip our heart and grip our life and grip our family. He's trying to change our lives. Um, you know, the, the children in the family, they, you know, they go through struggle after struggle, and they're like, oh, I, I don't know if I can get it right with God because God's asking me to do something different with my life. He's asking me to live differently. But all the while, if, if we'll just take those painful times in God's life and say, God, okay, you have my attention, Uncle, I'm not going back up on the diving board. I'm not going to go for round two of life's belly flop, right? Then God says, I'll meet you right there where you are. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to pay attention to me sometimes. And, and you, after you uh, use those circumstances in life uh, to, where God gets your attention, here's what you have to do. Three things. You have to learn what God wants you to learn. You have to serve how God wants you to serve, and you have to let God shape you how he wants to shape you during those seasons. You get that? He want, you have to learn what God wants you to learn. You have to serve where God wants you to serve, and you have to be shaped how God wants to shape your character. And here's the challenging thing. Are you ready for this? When, when Moses was there saying, hey, work on yourself, this is what he was saying. You have to do them all at the same time time. Same time. And this is what is difficult. This is where people really kind of trip up in their faith because they go, well, you know what? Right now I'm learning. I'm over here and I'm learning what God wants me to learn. So I don't want to, don't want to serve anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to get involved um, serving at church. And I don't want to serve my family. You know, I don't want to get out and do the work because right now I'm learning and we compartmentalize it. And, and then sometimes we say, well, you know, I'll do stuff for God, but don't touch my character, and I don't want to learn right now because I'm busy doing everybody. And then you have it all the way over here where sometimes God's working on our character and shaping us, and we become very kind of pious when we get in this box, and we're like, well, you know what? I, I'm right with God, so I don't need to learn anything, and I don't need to serve anyone. But here's the thing. If you think about the Bible and what's happening here in the context, if Israel would have taken that approach of compartmentalizing their spiritual growth, you know what would have happened? 
they would have sat there in the wilderness and never taken the promised land. Moses was sitting here teaching them, and you know where they were camped? They were camped just on the other side of the Jordan River, just a few miles away from the the, the land that God was calling them to take. You see, there was an action that went along with their learning and their character shaping. Are you getting that? And, And this is what God is doing when he's asking us to work on ourselves. Um, He's he's asking us to do all of it at the same time. And you say, that's hard. That sounds hard. I don't know if I can serve my wife or serve my husband or serve my kids while I'm trying to learn. Well, here's here's what God is saying. If if you'll do that, you'll grow. And you know what will happen? Your family will start to stick together. Does does growing in the Lord mean everything's going to go perfect in your family all the time? No. No. You know what? Today you might be here and you may feel like you've utterly failed as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, as even a kid. You may feel like you've failed your parents and you don't know how to make it right. Well, here's the good news today, that you can begin to work on your own relationship with God and take responsibility. And God says, that is enough for you. You get that? Because we need to work on ourselves. We're responsible for ourselves. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, And verse 9, the second part of this says this, and teach them to your who? To your children. So we have to keep the, 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 the standards of God on our own self, but can we keep the standards of God for our own children? No, you cannot keep them for them. They have to keep them for themselves. But what is, what is your job as a parent? It is to teach. Or if you're around, maybe you're not a parent in the room, but you're around other people, maybe younger Christians or people, um, you work with kids or something. Your job is to teach them the ways of the Lord. And, and here's your final, uh, your final blank this morning, and it's let God's story be the glue in your family. Let God's story be the glue in, in your family. And we don't necessarily have time today to go back and, and read it all, but look at this in Deuteronomy 4 verse 9. Uh, and I'm sorry, verse 10. Um, he says, teach the, the, the statutes and laws of God to your children and to your grandchildren. In verse 10, it picks up, he, he mentions this specific time, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord, your God, and Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth, and that they may teach their children what he was referring to was this time on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, as you've heard. Do you know what was given to Israel at Mount Sinai or at Mount Horeb? It was the 10, what? Commandments were given. And this is the story that God said, hey, if, if you're wondering what to teach them, teach them the laws. But here's, here's a really important thing. Tell them the story of me. When is the last time that you've let God's story be the glue of your family. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. When is the last time that maybe you've talked about the day of your salvation? The day where you came to saving knowledge and faith in Christ. Do, do your kids know that story? What about the time where God really came through? You know, we're really good at sharing the negative things, aren't we? The, the times where, you know, life goes wrong and it's like, hey, hey, we don't have money right now. You know, we're broke. We're, you know, hey, this just broke. And if you do that, I'm going to kill you because then I, I have to pay for it. You know, I just had that conversation with Aiden uh, the other day. Aiden and Drew were getting into baseball and they're throwing the ball by the window of our house. And I just looked at him. I said, if you break that window, I'm going to sell you to pay for it. Okay. Um, you know, and, and we talk about the negative things a lot, especially in our marriages, don't we? And you know what? Our marriages set the tone for our families. Our marriages set the tone for our families. 
it's hard to expect the kids to be positive and growing in the Lord if they, all they hear is negative things and the problems and the challenges. Now, does that mean you can't be real? No, it doesn't mean that. But if you look, um, flip over to Exodus 19. I'm not going to read everything uh, that, that I, I had up on the screen for time's sake. But I, I want you to see this. Um, there are two ways that you need to let God's story be the glue, or two or three, actually. And, and, uh, and the, I want you to go all the way to the last of the Ten Commandments. It's in Exodus chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 20, verse 17. I was going to read 19, but now I'm not, because uh, I just told you about it, about giving uh, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Hey, by the way, I have to say this, and every time I think of the Ten Commandments, how many of you have seen History of the World Part 2, like where, uh, you know, Moses walks out with the Ten Commandments, actually the 20 Commandments, and he walks out, and he's trying to carry them because they're too heavy, and they crack, and he goes, hey, there's these 20, and it cracks, and he goes, nope, these Ten Commandments. Uh, it was a funny part, and if you don't know it, then just YouTube it. You can YouTube that part, and it's really funny. It'll make you cry. It's pretty funny. Um, but anyway, speaking of the Ten Commandments, Look at the one that applies mostly to the family. It's right here in Exodus 20, verse 17. It's the final commandment, number 10. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's what? House. You shall not covet your neighbor's... Are you getting this here? There's all kinds of stuff. Um, Nor his male servant, right? Nor his female servant, nor his ox. I know that many of you are struggling with that, (laughs) coveting your neighbor's ox nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. The first way that you let God's story be the glue is this. You love the story that God's given you in your life. Love the story that God's given you in your life. You want to know what? It's amazing. Out of all the wives in the world, the only one that a lot of men are concerned with, they're concerned with everybody else's wife and they can't pay their own wife the attention she needs. The one, that, the one that's in, under your house. Vice versa for wives and husbands. You know why? It's because life gets difficult and, and we forget that God is writing a story with your life. He's writing a story with your family and it may have some bumps, it may have some bruises. There may be some things going on in your family that you're embarrassed about, that you're struggling with and it's starting to fracture the very fabric of your family But you know what? You can trust that God is writing a story. He was writing one there with Israel. And you know what? They had 40 years of bumps and bruises. They had 40 years of busted relationships, wondering where food was going to come from. They had 40 years of not knowing where they were going to live. They had all those kind of struggles. And here, God says through Moses to Israel, he says, remember when? Remember when God worked in your life? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time God worked in your life? Do you remember that story? I'm talking, I'm not just talking about a little, I'm talking about when was the last time God did something so huge? And you might be here and you may be going, I don't know. And there could be a couple reasons for that. One, you might not be close enough with God to recognize when he is working. And, that, and you know what? That's okay. You can grow in that. But the, the other reason is some of us get so tunnel visioned in life that we forget what God has already done for us. We forget the awesome relationships he's put in our life, how he's blessed our home. He, uh, you know, all of us here have food to eat, don't we? 
We have, we have food. He, he's forgetting, he, you know, we, we forget sometimes how God has saved our life, like Sean's testimony, how he took a wife who was on, on her deathbed, potentially about to die, and, and it didn't happen. He, he, he rescued her. You know, there are those times in our life, and those are the stories that we have to communicate to our children, to our grandchildren. In our marriage, if you want a great practice to go home, go home and spend just a little bit of time talking about the good things God has done over the course of your life. And you know what will happen? The, the Ten Commandments that are so hard, uh, they're, you know, they're so difficult sometimes to, to put into practice in your life. You'll find them become easier because, you know, all of a sudden, you'll realize that you're in this thing together. And if you do things God's way with God's story, living differently and working on yourself and your relationship with God, you're going to have a family that's going to stick with God. Isn't that, isn't that a great thing this morning? that we can do that. And, and today, maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, I want a story like that where, where God comes in and works in my life and my family. And there's good news today is that through Jesus Christ, all things can be made whole and new, even the broken parts. Isn't that a great thing today? That through Jesus Christ, all things can be restored. People can change. Families can, can, can have glue that, that can't be pulled apart. But the question is, will you let God be the glue in your family? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? The Bible says this, that Jesus died on the cross. He hung on the cross in the downtown garbage heap, nailed to the cross, his blood pouring out for the sins of the world. And if we'll just turn from our own sin... And believe in Jesus as the Son of God. The Bible says you don't have to have it all put together. The Bible says that he'll begin to write a brand new story on the tablet of your heart. Isn't that amazing? That God can do that. And so today, I want to ask you this question. Is your life put together with the glue of the Lord and the glue of his word? Are your families and your marriages put together with this glue? Ask yourself for real. Just honest evaluation. Or is it put together kind of like a cheaply screwed and nailed piece of furniture? You know, I kind of learned that. I had to repair a piece of furniture, and I used to think that it was the nails and the screws that came together that tacked it up. But I began to understand that I asked somebody who worked with wood, and they said, no, no, no. If you use good wood glue, if you use good glue, it's nearly impossible to break apart a piece of furniture. You have to really go at it hard. But many of us have chosen not to live differently. We've chosen the standards of the world. We've chosen the cares of the world. We've chosen the tough seasons in life to just weigh us down. And, and so our life is screwed and nailed together really cheaply. And guess what? The first time that you get moved, that life happens, you fall apart. But today I want to challenge you to let God's story of redemption, God's story in your life, be the glue in your family that helps you stick together. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.